You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilliary. Paul, it, we, we come off the backs of a wonderful episode, six fine people from Poland. The, um, the reviews are in. People are enjoying it. Well, I enjoyed it, so <laughs> I can relate. Uh, you know, uh, it, the, the, it's just great. The, I love these experiences and uh, it gives us an opportunity to to just expand the depth and the breadth of the Pearl Jam community. And everybody on that show uh, echoed the same sentiment that I, I think continues to prevail in each and every one of those conversations, which is the, the best part about being a Pearl Jam fan, arguably, aside from obviously the, the, the way the music makes you feel or, or, or how you connect to it. Uh, is the sense of community that gets mm-hmm. built. Um, and it makes sense. It does. It really, really does. So very, very grateful for that. And also grateful to all of you who rate, review, subscribe. You feed that algorithm. And by feeding it, uh, you prevent that algorithm from eating five or six beautiful Polish people and uh and me and jason along with it this got dark pretty quick (laughs) jesus uh you know anybody that wants to um do that is going to help other people find the show and expand the community which is what this whole thing is about that's what i I echo (laughs) (laughs) you meant when you talked about getting eaten by a okay Uh, um yeah so you can obviously do that that would be super helpful uh, doesn't cost you a damn thing. If you wanted to spend money, you could join Patreon. Patreon, um, but if not, no big deal. We're we're here every week, anyways. So uh, yeah, again, thank you to our six Polish friends. They had stories for days. Ava was saying at the end, we could have earmarked the entire day. There would have been more stories, and she was she had she said she had to draw the line at people because she had so many more people that could have come on and added to the discussion in a really meaningful way. So. Mm-hmm. Kudos to Poland. Jesus. Yeah. Hat tip and uh, gestures of gratitude. So this week um, we are going to kind of talk about the rear view mirror greatest hits. Um, I feel like we've kind of kind of dipped our toe into. Oh, there it is. Paul, hold it up. Yep, I am um, holding it. This was released in what? 2004. I, I believe so. Yeah. Up and down, and um, we've we've kind of tipped uh, our toe, tipped our toe, dipped our toe into that pool a couple of times over these last hundred and forty-one episodes, forty episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of how, what we think about how that was assembled. This is a little bit more thorough. I'm really going to dive into how that came to be, sort of by way of removing some songs and replacing them with some songs if there was a slightly tweaked updated 2.0 version of that collection that came out now now that we have uh was that three more albums mm-hmm. since, four more albums since then 
right? You got you got Avocado, you got Backspacer, you got Lightning Bolt, and you get Guitar yeah. Hero. So you have four more albums, hours of music that you could pluck songs from to go onto the Rearview Mirror Greatest Hits collection that Pearl Jam had to do for Sony. Um, and after that, we're going to touch on a new what if, kind of a forward thinking what if that has to do with that new record that the boys are working on. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into it, I, I do want to touch on one thing that's happened uh, on the West Coast here uh, over the last 48 hours, uh, 54 hours, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There are, um, surprise, uh, two more mass shootings in our state of California, one uh, of which that happened late Saturday evening uh in monterey park which is probably no more than what 20 miles from us right um 10 well now now 11 somebody uh succumbed to their injuries 11 people dead plus the shooter himself um and then just today as we're recording this monday uh, i believe um seven people have died uh in a mass shooting two locations in half moon bay which is just south of where you're from paul yeah uh it's and you know the part of this that's hard for me to reconcile is the 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 ages of the people involved here not just the victims but 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 the perpetrators here uh, one of them was 70 right did i read that right the guy down here was 72 72 what how do you live 70, 72 years and find yourself so afflicted that you i i, I don't know it's it just goes to show you that we have this perception that it's it's this disenfranchised youth or the, these um you know uh, young men or middle-aged men that just go astray it, it, at no point in life are we ever truly safe from the potential pot- potentially tr- uh tr- traumatic underpinnings of uh, depression or, or or any type of of mental health ailments and and i think that this this just goes to serve as a reminder i mean, I mean look you and i can go on a, mm-hmm. a a very very long diatribe about gun control and all those different types of things but more than anything else right now i think what's important to remember is that w- none of us are immune to uh the types of conditions in life that can leave us feeling really isolated or alone um and at no point in life do you grow out of the 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 desire clearly it, the, we as a species we we're demonstrating that we we lack we have a propensity to to, to uh, succumb to these these very very feral urges I mean, I mean I don't even know how else to describe this it's it's just something that concerns me and it goes to show you that if anybody that you know is hurting um pl- please don't take for granted. You know what I mean? No matter how young or old the person in your life may be, make a concerted effort to get that person some help, to try to help that person see that their that life is precious, uh, not just his or hers, but those those around him or her. And uh, let, let's let's make a conscious communal effort. We talk about community on this show a lot. Let's That's make a communal effort. Yeah. yeah, a communal effort to help that person feel a sense of belonging so that nobody ever feels driven at any age, at any point in life, including one's twilight years, to want to commit such a, a, a senseless act of violence like this. And then that's really why I brought it up. You know, it, it, we could, we've talked about gun control on this show before. Yeah. Um, 
three obviously big songs when it comes to gun violence. I think we spoke to um, a relative of mine actually, who's in um, therapy and trauma treatment uh, after um, the shooting at Uvalde back in May, um, when 25 kids were gunned down in Texas. And, uh, you know, all that stuff still applies, but the reason why I bring it up now is because it's so jarring. It's so close to us and your hometown up in the Bay. And it reinforces what we talked about last week, how community is so damn important. The music that we feel like connects us is so important. So use that, use the music to allow you to feel empowered to reach out into the community. Don't just be receptive. Be receptive, but also be, um, I guess, active in your ability to um, keep the community stitched. Because when it becomes a little unstitched and frayed, this can happen. And it mm-hmm. seems like it, it it couldn't happen to you, but we have a very strange country in how we um, view this right that we gave ourselves 240-something years ago. And uh, we'll be arguing for a long time, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to touch on the community part of it, which you obviously knew where I was going because you hit it on the nail on the head. So anyways, um, pivoting as, as best we can to the greatest hits collection of Pearl Jam. Now I said, we're going to remove some songs and replace them with some songs. We, we've done retracking a number of times. I think we have two albums left. And so you can pull from the recording sessions, any songs that you might want to replace or to add to here. It's a little bit more strict. It's three and three. You're going to remove three. You're going to replace the three. And we've kind of tipped our hand a couple of times, Paul, on which songs to us don't really make a whole lot of sense to be on there, but I guess they have to be on there because they got to hit a quota for Sony, yada, 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 yada. So how did you approach this um, without giving anything away just yet? Pretty simply, I looked at the track listing and I said, yep, yep, nope, yep, yep, nope, <laughs> yep, yep, nope. And there we go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's it's pretty simple, huh? So, um, yeah, no, look, honestly, man, there, there's the two of these were very easy for me to pull off. One was very difficult. Oh, interesting. Um, I felt that there were, <clears throat> were there like, there's like 27, 30 songs. I yeah. should have that top, off the top of my head. I don't know it. Um, but, you know, there's an upside and a downside, you know, your higher tempo songs and your lower tempo songs, if you will. So that, I guess, right there kind of restricted the band in choosing, you know, they didn't choose 85% up, you know, they, they kind of, by way of TRT, uh, mm-hmm. did 50, 50 sort of. So for me, it was one obvious one. And then there were a, like three or four that we're vying for the last two spots that I could not that again, none of these songs we dislike just when it comes to the term greatest hit, is it a hit? And it is a, is it a greatest version of a hit? Mm-hmm. Like when compared to the rest of the catalog and what's available and now four albums later, mm, plenty to choose from. So <laughs> with that said, I'll let you lead off with your first choice to come off of the greatest hits record. Uh, this one for me is, is, is pretty easy. It's it's going to be Save You. Mm. Uh, I feel like this was a, a like almost a, a requisite inclusion 
because it was the last album that came out before the greatest hits album uh, you know save you was the it was the second single off of riot act riot act was at the time a, a commercial disappointment um it was the seventh album that the band had released and, and this song i think if i'm looking at this right it peaked at number 23 on the billboard mainstream rock tracks chart uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I look. You, you no, it wasn't. I, I, it was almost like, well, we got to take something off this album, so let's take an up song. You know what I mean? And first of all, I don't even think it's the best song on the album, let alone a greatest hit. And I feel like it was. It was literally just you had to pick something off of this album. Now you already had "I Am Mine," which I'm actually leaving on the uh, on the greatest hits album for for a few reasons, namely the the context under which "I Am Mine" is written and, and the backstory with what had happened at uh, Roskill. And uh, the Chop Suey Sessions and, and the, the fact that I think in many ways I Am Mine is, is kind of this emblematic track of, of what Riot Act was. I think most people, when they think of Riot Act, they think of that song. Uh, at least I do. So Save You to me is just, uh, it's, it's, it's trying to fit a square peg into a circle hole. So I would pull that one off. That would be the first one I would pull off. Yeah, I see that. I totally see that for all the reasons you said. Um, I'm actually a little surprised that they didn't do what a lot of bands do and record like one new song to slap on there to be the single to push the greatest story. It happens I all know, the time. right? What was it? The Foo Fighters had one that was like um, Wheels Fall Off or something like that. And there's like, mm-hmm, I think there's mm-hmm. two on that record. And like, I think um, Incubus had something about 15 years ago that there was like a, like a new song on there like there's always a new song the rolling stones 50 greatest hits they had those two new songs actually I, I like both those new songs so that's a common thing and they didn't do that uh so i think this was their way of being like well this is a new song ish yeah but i hear you um my first choice may be your next choice and it's spin the black circle uh it's not a hit first and foremost I, I, I really do enjoy this, but it's just a simple, punky uh, song about loving records. And mm-hmm. I, I know they were meant to fulfill a requirement for Sony, like we've been saying, but this song is it's barely played live. You know, it, it, it's fun when it's dusted off, but it's not super dynamic and it's not very deep. And again, I like it for what it is, but it ain't a hit. Um... I know it was a single, but it's not a hit, man. It, it's just, it's so it's not even that, it, it can't be great if it's not even a hit. So, right. ipso facto, right. stay, uh, spin the black circle, you're hopping off. I hear that. I really do. Um, this one was a, a little challenging, mm-hmm. but I, I'm going with Man of the Hour. Okay. Um, it, this is a song that accompanied the, the uh, Tim Burton film, the soundtrack uh, was it Big Fish, I think Big back Fish. in 2003. I think it, it's part of the closing credits and <laughs> it was critically acclaimed in a lot of ways. I want to say that it was nominated for a number of awards here in Poland. I think Eddie might have won that at the Oscars. It, it was a, a nominated for a, a 2004 Golden Globe for Best Original Song. 
Uh, it lost Annie Lennox's Into the West from Lord of the Rings, which nobody remembers, which goes to show you that these, uh, you know, these, <laughs> the vast majority of, the, of them that are even nominated, let alone the ones that win, are, are, are pretty forgettable. Uh, it was also nominated for a 2003 Broadcast Film Critics Association Award and a 2004 World Soundtrack Award. So on the surface, you'd think, oh, well, come on. I mean, look at these critical accolades. How often do they play this song? Uh, uh, it, not much. Not much at all. I, I think that uh, when you think about it, it was written by Eddie, um, and it was a wonderful addition to a soundtrack. But when you when you think about its origin, like Tim Burton goes to the band and says, hey, love an original song for this film that I'm doing. Eddie goes home, writes the song, has a demo ready, and then it just gets recorded. Um, it, it's like... <laughs> They're watching a movie and they get moved by it, and you know Eddie shows up, or really Eddie shows up with a demo of a song, and then here we go. I, I feel like it was an exercise, and it was well done. Don't get me wrong, and I appreciate it, and, and I, I'm glad that we have it in the catalog. I do not find it to be a song that I would I would classify as a greatest hit. I think that there are a number of songs from the from the, the series of albums that they have that that blow this one out of the water. So again, I think that there's this perception that be, because it was so critically acclaimed and regarded by the, the, the very people that, that in many ways Pearl Jam had said their music was not for you, that th this one to me was chosen by those people in a lot of ways, mm. and or at least in the perception of its, of its um, how do I say this? The perception of how great it is, I think was very much cultivated by those very same people. So I'm going to have to say that to me, this is not a, a greatest hit. It, it's a wonderful addition to Pearl Jam's music, but uh, not, it's not, not a greatest hit in my book. Well, I agree with you. Man of the Hour is my second choice as well. A, like you said, a very lovely ballad, eulogy for a yeah. lost loved one, you know, father, obviously, in this case. Um, and it has grown on me. A lot yeah. over the last 20 years as i get older i see my dad's mortality as anybody would start sure. to come i mean he's not he's not like you know on the edge or anything he's still quite vibrant i must say but you know you see time happening uh in in our parents and anybody's faces really um but there are better songs in the catalog that do this uh light years is on the compilation it's a better version of of a eulogizing a loved one um I mean, I know Off He Goes is on here, and that could have been given the boot, but I only got three choices to make, and I find um, I find it, Off He Goes, that is uh, a bit more appealing than Man of the Hour and more accessible than a song like Who You Are. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, Man of the Hour just, again, as a standalone single, off of a record, off of a, a film that it didn't seem like the band had too much to do with, almost like it was like a Ed was doing a favor for a buddy. Oh, I guess we got to go in the studio. The demo is almost exactly the same as the as the produced track. You know, it's a nice song. Is it a greatest mm -hmm. take? No. So last choice, what do we got? So this one was tricky because. 
I want to say they, they won a Grammy for Spin the Black Circle, and that was the the, the infamous moment where Eddie goes up there and he's like, I don't know what this means. Uh, I, I guess it doesn't mean anything. I mean, just completely, just, just big old middle finger to the, <laughs> uh, the, the, the voting association there. So, and, but at the same time, Spin the Black Circle did, it did chart, peaked at number 11 on the modern rock tracks at the time, and it got as high as number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100, which is, is pretty impressive. And uh, number 10 on the UK singles chart as well. So I, I can see it was also, the, I'd say, one of the predominant singles off of that album. In, in a lot of ways, people might say, well, hey, this song is, uh, you know, it not it just basically the save you of the early 90s? I would argue no. I think that... It's uh, the Super Blood Wolf moon of the early 90s. Uh, maybe, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's... I remember the, the, the Kurt Lauder, uh, louder, louder, loader. Loader. Yeah. The, the Kurt Loader segment on MTV where that the controversy of whether or not the song was about heroin and, you know, the whole imagery of the needle coming down. And when in reality it was about spinning vinyl and, uh, the uproar over this song. And, and, and so I, I think it, it's hard to, it's, it, it has such a special place in Pearl Jam lore mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that I felt like you could keep it. Um, so you're you keeping it? So I'm I'm gonna keep it. I also think that it, it's a pretty cool rock song. Actually. It is it's, absolutely it is. It, it it's very very fast paced. Um, I'm gonna go with I got I got it. What? Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you. Like when I think about this song here, first of all, if you if you if you really wrap your head around like that the origin of this song, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, I don't think it's that special. First of all, I think it was a, it was a, a song that kind of marked transition between the sound that we had on Vitology and what we get on No Code. It was really just an accompaniment to Neil Young's Mirrorball, and due to legalities with the label, it couldn't be it couldn't join that album. Uh, but in, in many respects, like that and Long Road, should have been part of another album. Uh, and I just. <sighs> Here's the thing about that. So I think the reason why I Got Aid was included is because it had become, over the previous nine years or so, a kind of like a cult hit. The fan base really, to my to my knowledge, to my Long point, Road to me is it, a. It, I think both of it, them are. But Long Road, the longevity of Long Road, you don't hear I Got It very often anymore i i don't think i, I still think you hear tour long road in the last 20 years a heck of a lot more as an opener um well, that, that, it's, that's it's, key for that song though because being an opener you're more apt to play it whereas i got it can kind of slut anywhere and then it, it gets harder to, to drop in it it can i just don't think that it is necessarily a greatest hit i think that it was um just a, 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 a part of a collaboration and it's it's a cool part of Pearl Jam's history. I don't. I mean, you know, he wrote "Long Road" about the depth of, of his former high school drama T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, th- and and there's it, it has that iconic opening D chord. It's still very much beloved in the Pearl Jam community. You, it's a great way to open up a set. I don't particularly find "I Got It" as a song that necessarily does much. Um, I think you know that the album peaked at number seven on the u.s billboard hot 100 did the ep uh, but i think it was 
to me, it, Long Road was, was a, a big part of that. Um, even when they did uh, a tribute to heroes, Long Road, you know, Long Road was used in Dead Man Walking. It was used in, it was used in Eat, Pray, Love. It was mm-hmm. performed by uh, Neil Young with Pearl Jam at the a Tribute to Heroes benefit and yet, concert. And yet, no Long Road on this compilation. I know. That's it's like why include this? And if I I would have a more there's a more compelling argument to include Long Road in place. If you want to take something off Merkin Ball, then I could see Long Road. The fact that they went with I got it to, to, to me, it just doesn't fit. So I, I'm gonna say that guy's coming off for me. I would uh, listen. Here here's the argument that I would have maybe started with is it's literally two members of Pearl Jam. <laughs> It's what is it? It's Stone. I mean, it, I'm sorry. It's it's, uh, it's Mike Ed. and Ed. Yeah. No, I don't think I think it's um, Jack. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're it's right. Jack and Ed, and then and then uh, Neil Young on guitar. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't actually. Don't, I don't remember if Jeff plays bass on it or not. He might not. Um, Brendan O'Brien. Brendan O'Brien plays the well. Neil Young on I Got It plays the pump organ. Oh, no, it's a long road. He plays the pump organ. Brendan O'Brien plays bass. On I, I got, got it, and, and, yeah. and uh, but Jeff plays bass on Long Road. Jack plays drums on both tracks. So I, I agree. It just—it's a little. It's almost like a half Pearl Jam. But again, uh, that's what I would have started with because yeah, it's only half the band really being included. But that Merkin Ball thing again. When you talk about waiting, the not W A I T waiting, but W E I G H T waiting, the mm-hmm. catalog. You're gonna always heavily weight those first four to five albums above sure. anything beyond that. So when you say this little e- two-song EP that bridges Vitalogy and No Code, a very um, interesting point of their career uh, could have gone anywhere, and this thing could be argued is the glue that kept them going um, as they approached songwriting for No Code and all that would entail. And I would say the reason why maybe they chose I Got It over Long Road is because uh, Long Road is more of a slow build. Um, it's less hooky, whereas I Got It has kind of stages of hook. That opening riff is kind of hooky. The pre-chorus is quite hooky. The chorus mm. is quite hooky. So all your reasons make total sense. But then I think from a musical standpoint, just straight up musically speaking it's more akin to what a pop rock song is does that make sense it does i I, i'm i'm with you on that one but i i totally understand what you're saying and i could see it popping off well it's also worth noting that the band wasn't sold on all three of these songs necessarily either i mean great example would be man of the hour i i want to say that crazy mary was supposed to appear in place of that song Oh, was there some copyright uh, issues or something? Uh, I'm not sure, but it was replaced with Man of the Hour before release. So I, I don't mm. know why, but I'd have to look into that. But I mean, the, the, the fact that it wasn't even the original choice there kind of underscores wonder, the idea that it's it's not a greatest hit. So I wonder if that was, yeah, a copyright thing. But that, that would have been weird to have a to have a cover on a greatest hits. I mean, I guess I think that, that's probably why it was taken off, you know. But And you, you couldn't ignore Last Kiss because that was just massive. Uh, um, it was huge. Yeah. Okay, well, my last choice is going to be Who You Are. Um, Interesting. Again, not a hit. Um, I know it was a single, the lead single from No Code, but the world beat and the shoe horning of the phrase 
aforementioned verse in that second stanza is not very accessible. And surely there are other, quote, you know, down songs on the compilation that are as interesting or not as interesting depending on your palate. But this one is just not a hit. I, again, enjoy the song. But from an accessibility standpoint and the fact that it didn't do a whole lot, I mean, to that point, it, it was the first thing people heard when No Code was announced. Mm-hmm. It was the lead single. They were making a statement with this one, and it turned off a lot of fans for a reason. Um, that's kind of the opposite of a hit in my book. Yeah, I don't. That's the reason why I gave No Code a chance was this song. <laughs> and that, uh, again, and that, and that, might, that might tickle your, your fancy at the time for something different, but that doesn't mean it was a hit. Well, I mean, how often, how often they bust this one out? They, Almost okay, never. That that that's fair. They they don't necessarily bust it out that often. Um, I think that look, this album debuted at number one. Okay, so I, well, you, you're gonna have to pull it's something. It's riding coattails um, of the previous well, three albums. Sure, it it was it was, and it didn't it did not stay there very long. Uh, it became the first Pearl Jam album to fail to reach multi platinum status, but mm-hmm. it did reach platinum. Eventually, <laughs> probably in thanks uh, to songs like uh, "Hail Hail" and uh, "Woman." I mean, "Hail Hail." That was a single. I, that was a hit. Yeah, I, I still think it's overrated. Um, personally, I, I, <laughs> to be honest with you, I know you think it's overrated, but it's yeah, still uh, a hooky single. Yeah, I mean, look, it, that just because you don't like it as much doesn't mean it's not a hit. That's fair. I, I, I How many songs are like that. popping off on the top forty right now? That I'm like, this well, look, look, garbage. who you are. It, it peaked at thirty-one on the Billboard Top 100. Number that's, two. That's on the, worse on the, than Save You. Uh, no, on the Top 100, Save You didn't chart at all. It charted on the the Modern Rock chart. It never oh, sorry. made Billboard Top uh, 100. Wrong, wrong one. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I think that there's, you know, the, 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 it it does make sense. Uh, it reached top 10 in Australia, Canada, Norway, Finland, and it was number two and became Fucking the band's Finland. highest charting single. No. Hey, what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I just think, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting on the Greatest Hits album, the Who You Are has a slight later change. You're right. You know, instead of circumstance, clapping hands, it's avalanche falling fast. Um, like which I thought was, was, I don't know why either, but uh, I just think that it marked a, a, a new era in Pearl Jam's music. But and was it, it, it a hit? And was it a greatest hit? Well, it was it was a successful. It charted well. You know what I'm saying. Um, it, uh, there's nothing yeah. off binaural, I don't think, or Riot Act that landed on the Billboard Hot 100. I'd have to go back and check. But you know, you know, here's a here's a sort of an avatar. Do you remember when uh, Metallica debuted "Saint Anger," the single? Mm-hmm. It was the first single from the new album after the therapy and the time off and just music quitting first new album of material album of new material since 97 and it was like they they were force feeding that song on the radio for weeks and then people started realizing this is fucking noisy man there's not there's not a lot of happening here and yeah it just fell off the, by the wayside but it, it was there and it had a high peak because People were excited to hear new Metallica. And I feel like that was what it was with who you are. I was like, oh shit, new Pearl Jam, the biggest band in the world still. And then this hits them in the face and it's like, huh, that's not what we were expecting at all. And I, I feel like people what? pulled away. There, like, there are so many Beatles songs off of like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's that people look at now and have, with all these Eastern influences. And, and many will say how the, these are some of the greatest songs the Beatles have ever written. 
uh, I personally think that you cannot look at Pearl Jam's career and omit this song as pivotal. And we're not, when we say greatest hits, we're not just talking, it's a Pearl Jam hit. You know what I'm saying? And in a lot of ways, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, it it charted. And and I think that it was, first of all, I think part of the reason we feel the way we feel is because we don't have enough live bootlegs from this era. Well, that's, that's a hundred percent true. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. But it, but it, it was, a, it, it charted, it was successful across the world in a variety of countries. And, and I think it's indicative of, of some of that experimentation, the, the eclectic feel, what, what Jack brought as well. Uh, to me, it is a greatest hit. Uh, I thought it was, at the time it was my favorite song on uh, No Code, second only to, to one or two other songs, but uh, at, at most, I would say. So, so I'm thinking, by the way, not to go back to, too far but i think the reason why they put i got it on there is because they wanted to pull something from every album uh, you probably which is, why, right. which is why save you's on there but um when it comes to no code i'm seeing two songs right three, well, three songs including hail Ed, eddie said that they they specifically picked this they, he admits that they picked this song because it was a conscious decision to try and keep the band's audience down and to me, it, it kind of backfired. I, I feel like it was still like, oh, this is interesting. It's a little different. Uh, I, I think it, it was then listening to the album and being like, well, hold, like it opens up with Sometimes, which is a massive departure from the way all mm-hmm. the other albums open. I, I don't think it's who you are that caused people to severe away from No Code. I think it was songs like Sometimes and, um, you know, uh, Around the Bend and, and some of these other songs, I'm Open, some of these You're other songs. That I, You're not wrong. Right. So but- it's... <sighs> When it's a lead single and it's that, and it's, I mean, it, it's, it's, imagine, I'm thinking about how I felt when I am mine let off right act. And I was like, Where, where's the rock? I thought that was me. I thought they're going to do like a rock, song, which is why I, when Save You came out, I was like, Oh, this makes more sense. Um, again, um, I was a dumb idiot, but like I can, I can imagine, you know, multiply that feeling times like three or four when Who You Are came out and they really were just pumping out rockets they were and that song comes out and you're like what the hell i think for a lot of people i think from i think for at least the slight majority of of listeners of pearl jam at the time it was like a what and best case scenario they went away for five to seven years as many of our of our listeners have admitted um even even some of the cover bands we've the tribute bands we've talked to talked to they they, they left for a while and then came back mm-hmm. uh, and in worst case they left forever and that's when the ones like you who heard that and go, oh shit, this is really interesting and cool. Those are the hardcores, right? That that just embolden their love for the band even more. So, can you say that that is the greatest hit based on those two opposing forces? It 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 threw away a bunch of people and it you know, emboldens some others. I don't know. That's a tricky one. It is. It is. What the audience? I don't decide. know. Coin flip for the audience. All right. So now we booted off six songs or I don't know, five songs, I guess, total. Uh-huh. We only had one that was the same. I actually thought we would have a couple that were the same. Yeah, so so Man of the Hour, Spin the Black Circle, Who You Are, uh, I Got Id, and Save You are all gone. What what, 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 what are we replacing them with? <clears throat> Do you want me to go? Uh, sure. All right, I'll, I'll give you my, my three in a row here. Three in a row. Okay. Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. First of all, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Release is not on this set of greatest hits. Uh, you are correct. Uh, it, it's one of the most iconic Pearl Jam songs in history. It, I mean, it's, they they, they uh, can put the whole uh, fucking album on there. Uh, yeah, well, I know, and it's tempting, and I think that you know they were trying to avoid that. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, 
I'm sure there were people that that maybe bought this, mm-hmm. thinking, "Oh, this would be great. I don't have to, you know, carry seven discs in my car anymore." And like, where the hell is release? You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> so well, that that is a glaring omission, first and foremost, to me. Um, and now we have room for it, which is pretty cool. So happy about that. That would def- that definitely be one. I, I think another one to me. Wait, hold on. I thought be- we were talking about four. Four. Oh. I, I totally changed. I totally misheard or misunderstood the exercise then. Well, we each took three off and then we have to replace them with three. Right. So I thought it was you have to replace with three songs from the albums since not oh. the entire catalog. No, I'm saying oh, if, if, we, if we had to redo the 2004 greatest hits compilation what three songs do you think didn't deserve to make it and which three songs from that era 10 up to riot act would you replace those three with oh fuck well that totally changes my answers here doesn't it uh well i don't know we'll see i mean obviously i mean sure if you're if you're grabbing songs off of uh you know first of all look we could do another episode where we do a, a, a greatest hits redo you know where it's like uh, what would these? Uh, it'd be a single disc, I think. And what would the greatest hits be from you know everything from Avocado until Gigaton, right? But I think that for, for, for this one, what I was going for was you know, which three did I think did we think didn't deserve to make it? Got it. And which three would you replace them with? So for me, r- r- regardless, release should be on this compilation to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that for sure should be on there. I think present tense should be on here as well. Uh, I think that even even at the time it was it was pretty well regarded, and, and I don't know if it was the performance in '06 on Letterman that helped reignite the fan base's affinity for this song or not. But it was always a song that I thought was 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 really epic in a lot of ways, and it always played well live. So I would definitely put that one on there. Um, and, and you know, the last one's a little bit tricky because I think. On one hand, it's easy to say Oceans because it's, again, just quintessential Pearl Jam. Really? If, if, for, for a lot of people, I think Oceans was, was a, 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 one of their favorite songs on, on the album. Uh, it, it's not mine necessarily, but uh, mm-hmm. obviously, you, you know, I love Black, but it's, it's a damn really, it, it's a really good song. Uh, so I could see that being, it had a video and everything. So I mean, it's a... <laughs> I could see that being a song that somebody could say, you know, well, dissidents on there, how is Ocean not? You know what I mean? So, but I understand you don't want to overload it with, with songs that are um, from 10. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be a little bit more, more conscious of that. So I think if I, if I didn't do that, it's, it's really tempting for me to go with uh, In My Tree. Which I think that and, oh, and wow. some yeah. might some might say, hey, well, this this kind of redundant. Well, yes and no. I mean, sky scrape that line started a whole website. So <laughs> I think that uh, in a lot of ways that song captured the, uh, the 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 feeling of disillusionment and and the feeling of uh, you know, or the desire for seclusion and just to separate yourself and, and extricate yourself out of, of this world of of just crazy fame that they were currently embroiled in at that time so i think in, in many ways in my tree is a, a very deserving song which might seem strange that i'm taking one song off 10 and two more off of no code 
but, but I would rather do that than, you know, let, let, let's play house with Riot Act. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because that doesn't belong in the house to begin with. So I, I could see going that route instead. I think that if they had released In Hiding as an actual single, right, which they didn't do, that it would have been a greatest hit. I, I, I don't know why they didn't release that song as a single. So that would be my, my runner up in hiding. I think that if it had been given the light of day, it should be there. And, you know, dissident was given the light of day as a single. Um, but the, the only other song that, that I would really, really consider here, uh, is indifference. I think it's a, a beautiful, beautiful ballad. And, uh, in a lot of ways, it was a, a stellar way to close a set through the nineties. Um, if you wanted to take a cover, or I'm sorry, if you wanted to take an original B-side that wasn't represented here, where the hell is hard to imagine? That to me is a song that yeah. pe- people were holding up signs for that song for the longest time. Um, I could easily see that as as regarded as a greatest hit, especially with Breath on there. You know what I mean? To me, mm-hmm. Breath and Hard to Imagine is a bucket in a lot of ways. Uh, so th- those are the songs that really spoke to me as, as as worthy contenders. And I think it was just that last spot where I was like, well present tense in my tree hard to imagine uh indifference like w- w- what are we doing here you know we can't fit them all what are they going to be so i had to make some some difficult choices there yeah um kind of skimming through the catalog here um with my new information i've got to go oh, man i think the easiest one to do is present tense i think obviously the, the kind of the big um, it's among the fan base um, turning point or, or or time to to shine um, for present tense was was 06 Letterman and it's mm-hmm. been kind of a um, it's almost like it's got some of the same feelings as Alive does when it, as far as like getting the room together and this big build up mm-hmm. um, so I think I think that's a wise choice for present right. tense um Funnily enough, I'm actually looking at the list of singles here, and I got it was number two in the U.S. main chart because it was a single from Merkin Ball. That's weird. Didn't know that. Um, maybe Dissident. I think Dissident's a good shout. Um, well, that's on the greatest hits. Is it really? Yeah, it, it is. Basketball. Um, and, and it was a single that was released. As a matter yep. of fact, it was a special single that actually had a variety of Atlanta '94. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and all those. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's go, man. There's pretty much everything that I would choose is is, is on here. Well, I, I'll give you a song that I think you would choose. What's that? Where's Wash or Footsteps? They're not I mean, hits, it, though. Well, but again, it's Pearl Jam greatest hits. The, it, yeah. I mean, not every single one of these songs was necessarily a massive commercial success. I mean, I'll give you a good example here, right? So you mentioned who you are. Okay, fine. I, I hear you that. Uh, was Off He Goes a huge hit? I, I don't, I would say no. No, no. No, it was not. Um, I don't think that uh, Nothing As It Seems, I think, was not a huge hit necessarily. Now, Last Kiss is on here, but it's a cover. Mm-hmm. So you could make the argument that Crazy Mary should be here instead of Man of the Hour. I go I go Crazy Mary. I put Crazy yeah. Mary on here. I put Present Tense on and then probably release of, yeah. what's, of what's available. I think that makes the most sense. Now, why um, Crazy Mary? 
Um, I mean, in Pearl Jam lore, it's it's almost legendary as a final encore song that even though it's not played that much when it is, it's people love it. Love yeah. it. I would say even more than Rockin' in the Free World. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Uh, maybe even more than Bob O'Reilly. I mean, I think it might be the most beloved cover that they do. And maybe some of that has to do with how long it's been around. I mean, Rockin' in the Free World's been around 30 years yeah. as well. Probably around the same time that they started playing it. Playing Crazy Mary, that is. But there's something about Crazy Mary that just has a different build. It's almost like it's their song, even though it's not their song. You know, yeah. whereas Rockin' in the Free World, Bob O'Reilly, Leaving Here, um, none of th- those are clearly not their songs. Th- th- those no. are still, even though they've made it kind of their own in a way, mm-hmm. I still can't unhear the original artists when they play it. Whereas, I mean, I, I didn't even know who Victoria Williams was. Well, until you heard the pearls. Right, 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 right. I was like, oh, this isn't their song? Oh, okay. And so that that seems like a like a easy if you're gonna bring on one more song, um, that definitely is a Pearl Jam crowd hit. Agreed. Um I'm with you on that. I one. see the argument for in hiding as well. I see the argument for why go to a degree. But uh indifference not so much. Um <laughs> it's tough. Uh it's tough doing it on the spot because I well, I guess I guess next exercise that we do. But I've already got a head start because I got three songs right here. Yep. So yeah, I'll, so we both agree on uh, present tense and release, and then I'm going. You're going in my tree, and I'm going crazy, Mary. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm tempted to put hard to imagine, but I feel like it. Uh, it it kind of peaked at a, appeared in the '90s, and and really it it has faded away pretty quickly, even amongst the fan base. Surprise. Well, to be fair, I would say in my tree kind of fit they haven't played that in a long time no they haven't and but, hard uh, to imagine was played at almost every show in 2022 for some reason because everyone was requesting it and they kept on playing it yeah it felt like a revival of sorts yeah i guess i would probably go hard to imagine over in my tree all right especially since in my tree is kind of redundant with who you are at least uh, in terms of uh sonically speaking as yeah. a composition uh, lyrically vastly different but all right. Well, this is a difficult exercise. There it you go, right? Difficult. Man, that was harder than I thought. As Jason would say, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Are, are you are you um laughing that I misunderstood the entire exercise or half the exercise? <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure our good listeners are, are mocking you as we speak. It's gonna be fun thinking back to the very beginning of this episode when I was establishing what the hell we were gonna do and it was dead wrong. <laughs> Why didn't you stop me? <laughs> because you literally spit I, I, I could not have spelled it out any clear, or so I thought. Clearly, the error Cle- is mine. No, yeah. the, clearly the error is mine because I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it there. Well, what are your what are your what are your choices of that first twenty one year, twenty two years? I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. What are the three songs you're taking off and putting on? There you go. You get to remake that album. But for now, we're going to move on to a what if. And that what if is forward thinking. Usually we kind of go back in time and say, yeah. oh, this didn't happen. What if that happened? What if Andrew Watt on this new record that they're working on brings in collaborators and who might they be realistically? And collaborators, you know, you, you were you were talking about Jessica Grandall coming on, singing right. back. First time a female has done that on a Pearl Jam record. Um, if you think about Eddie's solo record, just laden with with friends 
all kinds of friends were on that record. Yeah. So Andrew's worked on a number of records recently that have that kind of feel. Um, the Elton John lockdown sessions, the last two Ozzy records, just, mm -hmm. all, I mean, the last Ozzy record had every guitar hero you could think of really, uh, including the late Jeff Beck, um, and Mike McCready for crazy sake. So he is the kind of guy that's going to kind of call him the favors and bring in, you know, the all-stars to, you know, lay down a solo or lay down a backing tracker. Mm -hmm. Now here's the question though. Th that band Pearl Jam has never really done that at all. Nope. Jessica Grindahl was kind of a one-off and the fact that she was the first female backing singer, it's, it's more like she was the first. Well, I guess you couldn't say first because they're obviously like cellists and some piano sure. players, you know, yeah, the yeah. whole string section from the lightning bolt sessions, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you would think of those musicians as kind of like atmosphere and, and, and not the, um, the forefront of the track. Right. And a backing vocal is pretty obvious. Uh, some of you might disagree, but you might say that everything that's not Pearl Jam is considered backing and, and should be included. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But because of Andrew Watt and his history on these records, bringing in people that you know, you know, friggin' Stevie Wonder playing harmonica. Yeah. Like, is that happening on this next record? And if so, who do you think is the kind of person that they might bring in and to do what? Well, I'll tell you that the first name that comes to mind for me is, is, is either The Edge or Bono. Mm. Uh, you know, we saw the Kennedy Center honors. Eddie goes up there. I, I just think that there's, it, it's it, first of all, I, I remember Pearl Jam opening for you two years ago in Hawaii, yep. and and uh, clearly that you know th th these guys are familiar with each other. There's a mutual respect there. I could easily see Bono guest starring on a Pearl Jam record and and doing like singing a song with Eddie and Pearl Jam. Wouldn't and, that and be that, something? <laughs> it would be amazing. I, I'd be super stoked for it. Um, you know, I would be, I, I would have a hard time seeing this, but Andrew backed Miley Cyrus on a cover of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. Mm -hmm. He produced a Miley Cyrus album. Mm -hmm. I think he really likes working with Miley Cyrus and I could see him bringing in Miley Cyrus and say, Hey, Miley, if you can cover, uh, better man if you can cover you know dolly parton's jolene just why breathe. don't you come uh, just, yeah yeah i mean why, why don't you come on over here i'm sorry just breathe not better man thank you if you if you you know you've already covered a pearl jam song right and uh you did a fantastic version of jolene so why don't you you come on and, and you know join us in our recording sessions I, I think this would be a great so i could easily see miley cyrus on a pearl jam record i could i could see bono on a pearl jam record and um those are the two that stand out the most to me. I cannot see Justin Bieber. <laughs> you know, I, I know he's worked with him before, but I, I, I cannot, I just can't see that. Um, you, you know, there's other artists that are pretty big that he's worked with in the past. You know, he worked with Post Malone. Um, I, I don't see that happening necessarily. Um, he's worked with Cardi B. I, I just, I don't see that. Lana Del Rey, I don't see that either. Uh, it's possible, you know, Ellie Golding, maybe, but you know, Camila Cabello, don't see that. You know, Ozzy would be interesting, but I, I just don't see Ozzy's sound. He's too unique. He, he would he stick is. out like a sore thumb. It, it, he really, really would. 
Uh, Miley, I think, and Bono could very easily figure into that record. Um, I could see I, 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 Elton John as well, but I think well, that you're tiptoeing into an area where I was going to say, you know, you, you've spoken about singers almost entirely I, I, right now. Well, I, I did mention The Edge as well. You did. I'm sorry. Um, that's true. I, yeah. I, I, I would also say, um, and, and this would be interesting because I would be all for it. Ed Sheeran. Who's Daughtry? No, not Daughtry. Ed <laughs> Sheeran. Ed, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. Yeah. Wow. Uh, first of all, I, I think he, he's a hell of a talent. Um, that, that, that guy can write a hook like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go back to his first couple albums, he's an incredibly talented songwriter. And, uh, you know, he's got this song, um, Two Step, that I think Andrew Watt produced. I, I want to say he produced that song. Um, and uh, or he collaborated in some capacity i have to go back and check but there's a relationship there and, and i i think that, that ed sheeran would would add something really unique to a pearl jam record uh we, we, all, all of this is to say that i will be sh- actually somewhat surprised if the new pearl jam record does not feature some guests or at least one really but, you'd be but, surprised the, i would be yeah believe it or not i, I just think that you know he did a, a solo record with eddie like what, what was the Look how many people jumped in on that record. That's what I'm saying. And so I, I could, I, I don't know how that doesn't transfer over into a Pearl Jam record where he's like, guys, like, well, you know, one- I mean, it, 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 look, it's, you got to be careful with it, right? We're not trying to do Santana here. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think that you, you can't have five or six people jumping in, but if we had to pick one or two people for just one or two tracks, I mean, those, those would be my bets off the top of my head. So I think that. Because what you got on Earthling Record, what happened because Ed is one person and he was writing with Andrew and Josh and Chad, and they would just be like, Hey, should we bring so and so for this? Yeah, cool. That's, that sounds like a fun idea. And it was kind of like the guys just hanging out. Pearl Jam is a unit of five it guys is. that it have is. written together in different ways, but written together for over 30 years. To introduce somebody really big uh, in a in a prominent way, I think would be a little weird. Um, It'd be off brand. I'll give you that. It, it, and and to the point of the Aussie records, I I mentioned the last two Aussie records that were just oh Mike was littered, on there. Yeah, I know, littered with 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 uh, guest stars. It almost feels like that's what you do when you start getting towards the end of the career you start dropping in some of the some of the big the big stars mm-hmm. new and old to freshen things up to be relevant again to oh hey you know that that elton john dua lipa song with elton john mm-hmm. and britney spears song that came out over the last over the last summer i don't know that the band feels like they're in a place that that's the route they want to go they're not they're not they're not done yet they're not in the twilight i mean maybe they are but no i look you're not wrong you're not wrong but and i want to hear your your, oh so here's what i would say the flip side you make a great point with bono you make a good point with miley although i've heard that miley and andrew don't get along very well anymore oh i had not heard that okay inside info that i've heard from somebody who has worked with her um and I think when it comes to somebody guesting, it would be limited 
And by limited, I mean it would either be somebody who would contribute to a duet or backing vocals, or it would be somebody that plays an instrument that is complementary to the rest of the band. So an organist, a pianist, um, maybe uh, maybe a saxophone. Maybe they bring in a horn. Michael Bolton? No. <laughs> but you know that Bob Seger song, Turn the Page? Very heavy on the... Uh, Kenny G? So I think if they were going to do something like that, kind of like with Steve, um, Stevie Wonder with the harmonica, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Or if, if, um, picture wasn't a duet with Elton John, but he still did the, um, piano. I think it's that kind of thing. I I think it's less obvious. I I think you bring in, I think Paul McCartney would come on and play and play piano or guitar in some sort of rhythm fashion, but wouldn't be credited kind of thing. Like, Oh shit, Paul Mm -hmm. McCartney play that one, play that. Oh my God, that's great. It'd be something like that. It wouldn't be super obvious where it's like fucking Beyonce and Ed from the Citizens Festival, you know? It wouldn't, right, 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 it wouldn't right. be that obvious, in my in my opinion, if they were to bring people in that you knew. Um, and again, no offense to the uh, string sections of, of years past or, or, or pianists from years past. Which were delightful. Uh, yeah, but you know, now the band is hit a status where they can kind of ask anybody they want yeah. Come on, if they, if they so chose, that's the question though. Would they choose? Would they let Andrew convince them? Hey, what if we brought in Paul McCartney? Because mm-hmm. they got Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> Why not bring in Paul? Um, I think that's the kind of thing. A p- a, a cool piano um, ballad where you got somebody like that. Hell, um, I got I bring Metallica back up again because it came to the forefront of my mind. But they did that. They did a, a version of one with that. Um, was it Korean? Or was he, was he Chinese, the um, piano player, Lulu? Or Ling, Ling Ling. Remember Ling Ling? Yes, I, I do. Think it's Ling Ling. Apologies if I'm screwing that up. But they did that. They did it at the, at the Grammys Awards many years ago. It was cool. They, they added in the piano. It'd be that kind of thing where it's a kind of a complimentary piece. Not like, oh, we're going to sub in, you know, uh, Zach Wilde solo in place of Mike McCready. Like, yeah, yeah. no, one, no one's losing a McCready solo on the record. No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I see, I see a duet, a, a, a tasteful duet, or a cool backing vocal thing, kind of like uh, "Right Turn," mm-hmm. the Allison Jane song "Right Turn." Where it's like yeah. everybody under the sun, but no one's credited. And you're like, isn't that Cornell? Isn't that so and so? So I think it'd be like that, where you'd have a complimentary instrument like a piano or an organ or a, a rhythm guitar, something that doesn't kind of stand out. Um, I think that's what they, what they would do. I think either approach would be. I'd be interested in both though. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. We got, we've got enough content of just the guys. I mean, just bring mm-hmm. a friend or two. But yeah, yeah that yeah. bottle that thing would be dope. All right. What do you guys think about that? Are you guys yelling at us? Are you young other names <laughs> that we haven't said or mentioned? Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people that you'd love the band to play with. Um, and if you have ideas, please let us know what they are. Who's playing with them? What are they doing? Is it an up-tempo song? Is it a down song? What instrument are they playing? We want to know. So let us know in the comments or wherever the hell you comment and talk with us. But for now, we got to move things on to the Lyric of the Week. Lyric of the Week this week, it is a, uh, it's a song that's not on anything, but a... Uh, a uh, it's a fan club single and mm-hmm. uh, a promotional. Uh, what do you call those things? 
the refugee, what, what do you call it? What was it? Benefits. Thing? Benefit. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word benefit. <laughs> uh, the song is Last Soldier. So a bit of a curveball here. Uh, Last Soldier. Some of you probably forgot it was a song. But uh, it came out, or they did it in, what, 02? The Riot Act Sessions, right? Mm Mm-hmm. This is uh, towards the end of the song. What do you got? Well... Look, this came out, actually, this came out in 01, is when 01, it was released. Sorry. Yeah, to 2001. Uh, I look at these lyrics, the oath I took, not so seriously. I think sometimes we have a tendency to subscribe to an idea of something. Uh, you know, a great, great film. I think I want to say it was Oliver Stone, born on the 4th of July. I think it was Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much, you know, of course, the opposite, where, where the Tom Cruise character is, is fervently believing in this being the right choice and then only after the trauma that he experiences does he start to reconsider what that was all about uh but the idea that you have somebody who you know takes an oath not so seriously believing that nothing's going to come of it or or that you know it's not going to to truly jeopardize one's life i'm not sure there's so many ways to interpret that line i love that ambiguity behind Mm it uh the world's gathering steam catches up with me i've made a decision i'm going to some other place and it's someone i don't know that's sending me that that's sending me there and that person doesn't know me either and it's it's just amazing to me how war is essentially it's a chess match and the pawns that are played in this game are completely unknown on so many levels by the people who are making these decisions and it's it, it's unfortunate that human lives are, for lack of a better way of phrasing, used this way. Um, and look, I, I understand there have been many a noble noble fight in human history, and so I, I'm not insinuating that there, there was never a, an appropriate place to to stand up for what was right. Uh, but at the same time, that, that's not always the case. And I think that when this song was written. It was very much about being sent somewhere, you know, being caught up in, in, in a world that is having trouble making sense of itself and uh, just not just feeling helpless. You know what I mean? Just, mm-hmm. just being caught up in it. And uh, I can't even fathom what that's like. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there's an idealism of serving your country and there's, there's generations before you and me and, and I think for us, you know, we, we look at those generations as people who signed up for, for something that they really believed in. And I'm finding that there are far fewer conflicts these days that people can feel the same way about, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not saying you can't ever, but war has become such, and maybe it always has been, I don't know. Um, quite frankly, I don't know how comfortable I am even discussing it because I'm, I'm sure there are, are very there, there are folks listening to me right now that that are, are probably thinking to themselves you've never been there you have no idea what that's like uh it, you know it, it's it's not even your place to 
to, to speculate, which is fair. It's a fair assessment, quite frankly. Um, but, but I, I think that there's, there's an ambiguity that gets raised in those first couple of lines of this song. And, and I think that it, it does deserve a conversation. Um, and Mike has never served. Right. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that, it, it, it's a worthy conversation to consider. So. Yeah. Um, again, I, I've never served. So everything that I'm saying here is, um, with the limited understanding that I've, I've grown to, right. to, to know, um, which probably is not very much, but this is, this is what I can see from my perspective. And it, it seems like there is definitely a futility of being a soldier. Um, there's to a degree, a lack of agency without, uh, seemingly, uh, no care that the decisions leaders make in times of war are about, like you said, real people. They're not soulless people. They're, they're, they're real people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second half of those lyrics, the, the, the third verse of this song really stands out to me. Um, it's been America's position for decades to stick our noses into conflicts that may or may not pertain to us. And when we are directly affected or when our close friends are directly affected, most people have sympathy and respect for the hard choices that the leaders make. When we seem to go into a conflict for political reasons or to secure financial interests, that's when the criticism ought to and has come. Mm -hmm. You're right. This song was written, like I said, during the riot act sessions. So, you know, it was in response to the Iraq war. And I wonder if the first half of the first, uh, the first half of the verse is a nod to maybe young adults who signed up for military service after nine 11 on like a patriotic high, only to be let down by the truth when they were shoved off to a country that had no involvement in that terrible moment. Right. It's really something to think about. 20 plus years later and exponentially uh, young adults who might be thinking of serving our country can learn about what's really going on on the world stage, or at least the most truth possible concerning what is and isn't made available in news outlets and compound that with what outlets give us pure propaganda. But the decision to join the military I feel like there's no better time for young people to make an informed decision to join than now. I mean, there's so much history, so many inflection points and mistakes to learn from just in the past 20, 30 years. Um, and here, here are some fun recruiting numbers from the U.S. Army mm. to kind of prove the, for the fact that it's it's becoming harder for people to subscribe to joining the military, even if even if the the, the um, Circumstances are just as high. There's still conflict. There's still Mm -hmm. need soldiers, but the recruitment is going down and down and down. Um, The labor market. This is what they. This is like their their um, research. The labor market. Most challenging labor market since the inception of the all volunteer force. Fifty percent of youth admit they know little to nothing about military service. Seventy one percent of youth do not qualify for military service because of obesity, drugs physical and mental health problems, misconduct, and aptitude. Gosh. 79% of recruits have a relative who served, and only 1% of the population currently serves. Veteran population is declining. Mm. So it, it's staggering it's a, numbers. It's curious, you know, what the future is going to hold for the American military, because as we're able to know more, 
people are choosing to go less and it's it's showing that those that are available to be chosen are either smart enough to say i don't want to get involved with this or all of those problems that you, you just saw obesity drugs physical mental health problems misconduct aptitude make it's, make it difficult even if you do feel committed and have the exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's yeah there's that overlap of like i don't want to go but shit i don't have any other choice or or it's a it's a family thing this is just what i know this is what my family does my, my grandfather was in you know Vietnam. or you want to be the first it, it's a, a calling that you have you know but it's yeah so it, it's a tricky thing um but it, i i wonder if ed consulted any veteran friends before writing this or this know. was just his perspective of what was happening at the time I, I mean, it, it's just the, the, the layers of complexity are so hard to wrap your head around, man. It's uh, a yeah. hats off to those who do serve. Thank you mm -hmm. for your mm -hmm. service. And uh, it just goes to show you that uh, we still have a long way to go to to fully understand the uh, the nuances that go into those decisions that that, that I think for many people, it, it's uh, it's a constantly evolving process of reflection. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's one that uh, I, I I think that as a country, we need to really be sensitive to because it's, it's a hard decision to make. And when you have to make hard decisions, you deserve support in that process. So, And they're, and they're bearing um, an even greater weight based on those stats, mm -hmm. based on the conflicts that we still have and the complexity of them from I agree to this to I don't agree with this to it's kind of gray. Yeah. They've got to do a job, even if they don't agree with it. And you get this phrase, support the troops. You got to support the troops. It's like, as long as we all understand that what that means is we want the best for these guys and these gals and to be safe and to do their jobs effectively. Yeah. Um, and the reasons why that's not for them to decide. Unfortunately, no, it's not. And, and, and it's obviously, up to us to vote in the people who we think can make those decisions correctly. And to separate those two is very important. Right. And to not unnecessarily put them in harm's way. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. It's big big mm. which i think is probably the point of this song yeah so uh let's move on now to the live cut of the week ready to stand up live cut of last soldier literally only three times played uh once in 04 as part of some sort of I think party there was, it was one of three songs played at a hotel hmm. and then uh, back to back nights in 2001 at the uh, shoreline amphitheater for uh, bridge school. So what are we, where are we going to go? Oh man. You know what? Let's go October 20th, 2001 shoreline.
Yeah, there's not much to say on this one, unfortunately, yeah, guys. I mean, it's, 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 it's one I of a couple, it. <laughs> and it sounded great. Simple as that. <laughs> so, not much analysis for this one, unfortunately. There's some songs that don't have a lot note. of options. Wait till we get to uh, to Bugs. Okay. <laughs> Talk about Philadelphia for 15 minutes. All right. Well, that's it, guys. That's the episode. Thank you for listening again. We really appreciate it. We've got some, some designs and some things. We're talking to people. There's Maybe a, a big guest or two coming down the pipes, working on that diligently. Yeah. And, um, and and to anyone listening, uh, if you have been feeding the algorithm and you'd like to uh, to join our, our Patreon, uh, lots of cool perks, which which we'll tell you about next week uh, if you don't already know about them. So join the club. Join the club. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you again. And uh, we will see you next week for another new episode. And until we do, you've been listening to the state of love and trust. <laughs> <laughs>